everything that you have been taught about money being evil, people being greedy, that wealth is greedy, and even that your own desires to increase your own wealth, to make more money is bad. It's all a lie. And today I'm going to prove it. It's time to turn your dream into bold action. As a Christ-centered coach and mentor to women changing the world, I firmly believe that we all have a gift given to us by God, and we are meant to share that gift with the world. Your gift was given to you to help make others' lives better. Let's turn your passion into an authentic and profitable business that reflects who you are at your core. Welcome to the Dream Launcher Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Ferrara. On episode 18, I shared hacks to help Christians earn more money. But what good does it do to help you earn more money if you can't keep it in your hands? So today, we're doing some myth busting, some lie busting. We're getting rid of those lies that make it almost impossible for you to actually earn more money, keep more money in your bank account, and become wealthy. Now, in that episode, the last hack that I shared with you was to stay positive. But how do you do that? I mean, we watch the news. We hear the stories. We see it in our own cities. Yes, I have. I've seen it all. I understand. But I've chosen not to be a victim. I made the choice to create my own economy. And I started with doing the work that I needed to do with my own mindset, my own beliefs and thoughts around money so that I could think differently about money and be able to hold on to it and also earn more. You see, I used to believe that money was a limited resource. There just was never going to be enough. I used to believe that money was unpredictable. I needed to spend it while I had it because I never knew when I was going to have extra again. And I also used to believe money was slippery. (laughs) I believed that every time I tried to hold on to money to save some money, that it was just going to slip right on through my fingers. And I fulfilled that prophecy to myself every single time. But one day I decided that was no way to live. If I choose to believe the Bible, and I do, and if I choose to believe every word of the Bible, which I do, If I choose to believe every book, every story, every command, every scripture, and every promise, then I have to believe that God wants what's best for me. And suffering, struggling, not being able to make ends meet is not what's best for me. I have to believe that God created currency and he gave it to us and he gave us the ability and the power to create wealth. I'm going to use the same scripture here that I did in the last episode when I speak about this ability and the power to create wealth. It's Deuteronomy 8.18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. To me, that is powerful and that is a promise. He gave me the power to get wealth, but obviously he gave me the power to do it, but there's some action that I've got to take. Are you noticing a theme here on this podcast? It's a lot about action. It's about the part that's our responsibility in this whole 
process of doing life with God. But let me back up a little bit. Some of you are already like have your alarm bells ringing, red lights are flashing, they're spinning all around in your head saying, whoa, put on the brakes. I don't know if I can listen to this podcast. This sounds like this might be rooted in prosperity gospel. Well, let me assure you, it's not. This is rooted in biblical truth. I promise you that I'm not going to tell you that if you listen to this podcast or join my membership, that you're going to get rich. I can't promise that. I'm not going to tell you that if you write a check for $5,000 and stick it in your Bible and you pray over it, that all of a sudden $5,000 is going to show up in your mailbox. I can't say that that's going to happen. But I am going to tell you that God does have laws that lead to prosperity. He clearly laid them out in the Bible for us to follow. He gave us the instructions. And you have to be willing to read the Bible to find them. And you have to eagerly obey. And if you desire to be rich, wealthy, prosperous, whichever word you want to use, there is a catch to doing it God's way. Your heart has to be in the right place. Your reason for wanting the money needs to be aligned with God. In other words, you can't let money become an idol. It's not about the money itself. It's about how you are going to use the money as a tool to carry out his kingdom business. Now, first, let's define prosperity. I was hoping that the Oxford Dictionary was really going to help me out here. Instead, it kind of sent me through a few loops, but we'll start there anyway. According to the Oxford Dictionary, prosperity is a noun defined as the state of being prosperous. Thanks, Oxford. So I looked up prosperous, of course, because that's what you do. And it is an adjective, successful in material terms, flourishing financially, being wealth, bringing wealth and success. Now, according to Strong's Concordance, the Hebrew word for prosper is shalev. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And it's defined as ease. Well, ease is very different. That's a very different state from just being financially successful. Ease is the absence of difficulty or effort. It just comes to you. It just happens. It just all falls in line. That's ease. I remember hearing Rabbi Daniel Lappin say that in Hebrew, when you wish someone prosperity, it is in all aspects of life. It is health. It is family. It is business. It's finances. It's all of it. So if that's the case, maybe I am preaching a prosperity gospel, just not the mainstream one that solely focuses on financial gain. I'm not focusing on God is a genie and I'm going to blink twice and he's going to send me money. Author Michael Smalley agrees that prosperity applies to all areas of your life. And in his book, How to Prosper in Hard Times, God's Way, related to financial prosperity, He says that prosperity is having enough of God's provision to complete his will for your life with enough left over to be able to afford to liberally bless your family, your church, and the work of God, along with any other legitimate need that excites you. I believe that as well. I don't want to just earn enough money to meet my personal needs or my bare necessity needs. I want to earn enough money to meet my basic personal needs, to tithe, to bless my family, 
to cover a need for someone who's struggling, and to have money to save for an emergency and for our future. I want to be able to make enough to do all of those things and not feel like I'm scrimping by to make it happen. Sure, there may be times when I decide to give here or there, and it's going to be a sacrifice. But there's intention with that, and there's blessing with that, I know. But that's not the the ultimate point. The blessing isn't the point. My obedience is the point, and my heart, my intention, that's the point. So what keeps so many Christians from living this life of prosperity? specifically in financial prosperity, as we're talking about today, but I would say even in prosperity of our health. So many Christians are sick in prosperity with our families. We had some messed up families in the Christian world in our churches, but we weren't meant to be perfect. God wants to heal those too. But today we're talking about finances. From what I've observed, there seem to be five primary lies that Christians believe about money that contribute to their sense of lack or experiencing actual lack. And I can I can relate to this sense of lack because there are plenty of times when I feel like I'm poor. I don't have any money. I'm living in the sense of fear of not having enough, yet I look at my bank account and there's plenty there. So what is that sense of lack? Thankfully, I've been working pretty hard over the last several years to actually break that lie, that sense that there's just not enough. But let me tell you about the five primary lies that I've observed just in those around me and through the work that I've done. They believe one or a combination of these five lies. One, money is evil. Two, people who have money have taken that from those who don't have it. Three, wanting to have more money is greedy. Four, money is finite. There is only so much to go around. And five, you aren't good with money. So let's tackle number one. Money is evil. Let's tackle that first lie. Money is evil. First, it's not evil. Money is an inanimate object. It is crushed up, pulverized wood that's been smashed together, pressed down, printed on. It does not think, and it does not have a soul. Therefore, money cannot, in any way, in and of itself, be anything other than money. The piece of paper in your hands. In other words, it's neutral. It is good when used for good, and it is bad when used for bad. The same $100 bill that buys a single mom groceries for the week is then the same $100 bill that is paid to a pimp for a prostitute. Did the $100 bill decide how it would be used? No. It's the act and the intention of the person using it that's behind it that drives it, not the actual $100 bill itself. I know that this is rooted in a misinterpretation of the scripture that money is the root of all evil. And I'm sure that you've heard it, if you've been around for a while, that that scripture is quoted incorrectly all the time. It is not that money is rooted in evil. It is that the love of money is rooted in evil. Number two, people who have money have taken it from those who do not have it. That is a lie. Now, in Amos 5, 10 through 11, 
It says how you hate honest judges, how you despise people who tell the truth. You trample the poor, stealing their grain through taxes and unfair rent. Therefore, though you build yourselves, you build beautiful stone houses, you will never live in them. Though you plant lush vineyards, you will never drink wine from them. So does it happen that people are exploited? Absolutely. I would venture to say that plenty of financially disadvantaged people have been exploited and are still being exploited today. That is correct. They're being gouged in rent or not being paid a fair wage. And I'm not going to say a fair living wage. That's a whole other topic. But a fair wage for the work being done. But it is unfair and incorrect to lump all wealthy people into this category. I believe that those who believe that all wealthy people earned their wealth through oppression and exploitation actually believe a lie from the enemy. It's born in jealousy and envy and victimhood. It is often learned. It is passed down through generations. You heard it growing up. You heard your parents say it, your grandparents say it, however they termed it, whatever they thought. Maybe it was driving by a house that was really big and they were jealous of the size of the house. And they said, oh, rich, greedy people must live there. And it's those little things that become seeds that plant within your subconscious as you go and as you grow up that then when you're older, you now have them as your beliefs. So those are passed down to generation to generation. And what happens is that keeps every generation in that state of poverty or poverty thinking. But it really is envy. I think jealousy is, I want what they have. Envy falls into I want what they have and they shouldn't have it and I deserve it. I don't know if that's accurate. I haven't looked that one up in the Oxford Dictionary. But that's how I've always internalized the difference between jealousy and envy. There's a little bit more malice in envy. So those who do not have wish they had and blame those who have for their current plight. But whose responsibility is it? Many scriptures encourage compassion and helping the less fortunate. Yes, but attributing all wealth to ill-gotten gain is an oversimplification of a problem. Instead of being jealous of the person with more money than you, maybe get curious. Maybe learn from them. Seek out a mentor or someone who can educate you on financial principles. I know people who seem to have problems with their money all the time. They're always late on rent or don't have enough to pay this bill or whatever it is, but there's always a problem. And when you get into it and you you start to question them in a good way, in trying to help them, and you're asking and you're getting curious about where the root of this problem is, you realize that they don't even know how to like really do a budget. When they're looking at their finances, all they can see is it's not enough. So why even plan for where it's going to go? Because it's not going to meet all the needs. But you've got to start somewhere. So be willing, if that is you, to seek support somewhere. 
I know often there are a lot of churches that run Dave Ramsey's financial piece. That's a really great, great place to start to learn just basic budgeting and how to kind of get your head above water and then take that long term into the future. I know there are a lot of people that don't agree with Dave Ramsey's ways and that there are other ways. Absolutely. There's got to be more than one way to do it. But I think that the longevity of financial peace will prove that it works. And really what it comes down to is making different choices in your own spending. So to get out of this sense of, it's not entitlement. Well, I guess maybe it is. There's an entitlement that because they have it, you deserve it. But are you doing the same things to earn that money? Are you, have you gotten the education? Have you up your skills? Have you applied for jobs that pay more? Have you, what have you done? Have you learned skills that maybe you could do a side hustle and start your own business so that you could bring in some extra to help alleviate some of the pain financially? Are there things in your house that you can sell so that you can pay a bill off? Maybe it's credit card debt and you can start selling things that truly aren't necessary in your home that can help. And every time you sell something, it goes straight to the credit card. You have to make different choices with how you are spending your own money. To get ahead, you have to spend differently than you have in the past. Obviously, the way you've been doing it hasn't been working. That's where I was. I realized what I was doing wasn't working, and I had to make some big changes. I know that one of those things was taking personal responsibility. So do you remember the days of the Sunday paper when, you know, every Sunday it showed up on your front step, plop, it would just be there. You'd wake up in the morning, open the door, ta-da, there's a paper, right? (laughs) Somebody got up really early to make sure that it was there when you opened the door. I remember, this is many years ago, when I was really starting to look at how I spent my money and realizing I was overspending. I was definitely an overspender. I was an impulse buyer for sure. And I realized one of those things, as I started to pray, one of the things that God had me do was stop looking at the paper. Now, I didn't get the Sunday paper to read any of the articles in the paper. I'm sure you relate. I got the Sunday paper because I wanted to look at the ads. I wanted to see what was on sale this week. What was it that I just had to have because I happened to see it in the ad? I was finding things to buy, not needing something and going and buying it. So I decided to stop looking at the ads. And of course, it saved me money. So that was one way that I curtailed spending was by just not looking. Don't even allow myself to be tempted by the ad. If I need something, go and look and find the best price, whatever that is, when I actually needed it, not go buy it because it's on sale. It's a big mindset shift. It seems small, but for somebody who's an overspender and who is almost addicted to what's in the ads, what do I need to go buy this week? It was a big shift for me, but it was one of the ways that I took responsibility for myself and my own spending and looking at how then do I improve my income because less spending less definitely helps. But if there's an an aspect where I got to really, I do need to make more money so that I can meet my bills so that I'm not having to like short something every month and I'm just shorting the different something every month. Trust me, I've been there. 
that required looking at some other options. If you're looking for some other options, go back to the previous episode, episode 18, and check out some of the options that I offered within within that episode of how you can increase your income through other ways, not just in a raise at your job or finding another job. Lie number three, wanting to have more money is greedy. How often have you thought, I wish I had more money? I work so hard, I deserve a raise. Or, I wish I was rich. And then, like a freight train to your brain, this thought hits you. You're just being greedy. Well, if that happens to you, then you believe this lie that wanting more money is greedy. I don't believe that it's the want of more money that actually is greedy. But you hear that in your head. And so then you temper your dreaming and you shut down your desires with this thought. I make enough to get by, God. I'm sorry for not being content. I'll be happy with this little piece of my pie that I have. And then you continue to suffer as you barely make ends meet. And you begrudge those who are making more than you. Setting aside money, some would call it accumulating money or saving money, is not bad. Earning more money is not bad. Wanting more money is not bad. And saving more money, looking at accumulating more, It's actually forward thinking and good planning. Dave Ramsey calls it an emergency fund. Joseph in Genesis 41 called it preparing for the future famine. I'm going to add a little personal commentary, a little conjecture, if you would, to this story in the Bible with Joseph. I have a sneaking suspicion that there were probably some people, especially those farmers, right? who were giving a fifth of their crop to Pharaoh, who maybe didn't understand what was to come. They probably weren't aware of the prophecy overall, that there would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. So they may have actually looked at Pharaoh and said, oh, how greedy is he? He's asking for more. And he's just storing it up in those big old barns and those big old silos. And he's not doing anything with it. It's just sitting there. Can you hear the envy? Can you hear the jealousy in there? Can you hear the disdain for Pharaoh? Well, I know that I've just kind of imagined that in my head, but I know people. And I guarantee you, there were some farmers that were not happy about giving a fifth of their farm, of their produce, a fifth of of their grain to Pharaoh. But I guarantee you, after the famine hit, that they were probably some of them among the first to be grateful that he had planned ahead in this way, to be grateful that now that their, their crops were bare, their land is bare, it's not producing anything that Pharaoh thought ahead and that he was then able to provide for them. Luke 16:13 says, "No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money." It's important to remember that greed is a form of idolatry. 
People become greedy because they idolize having money and the material things and the social clout that they get to buy by having lots of money. But it isn't greed when your intent to earn and accumulate more money is for the purpose of providing for your family, having margin in your budget, saving for the future and the future generations to come in your family, leaving a legacy. It isn't greedy when you want to earn a lot of money so that you can support missions, donate to nonprofits that serve the less fortunate, or pay the utility bill of a friend in need. That is not greed. That is financial wisdom. In this episode, we've covered three of the five lies that I believe so many Christians believe and that those lies keep them broke. And in episode 20, I'm going to cover the last two lies that Christians believe about money. That money is finite. There is only so much to go around. And that you just aren't good with money. That is a lie. Everybody has it within you. You all have it within you. To learn how to be financially stable, to manage your money, and to be financially free. My challenge to you today is to seek God's wisdom in what I have shared with you. Ask him to reveal to you the lies that you're personally believing that are holding you back from financial success. Ask God why you believe it. Where did it come from? Look for the root of it. Where did that belief start? And then ask him to replace it with truth. That's huge. Get God's truth and replace the lie with his truth. To dig deeper into your personal money story and even rewrite your story. I have created a whole module within the Dream Launcher membership called Money Mindset Mastery. In this module, you will uncover more false beliefs and develop new empowering beliefs that will propel you forward in your financial endeavors, whether that is in business or even in your personal finances. Invest in yourself by joining the Dream Launcher membership. It is packed full of business and mindset training already. It's ready for you. There's tons there to choose from as soon as you join. And then I'll be adding even more training all throughout this year. To join, go to stephanieferrara.com forward slash dream. If you're enjoying the Dream Launcher podcast, I'd love to know. Would you give us a follow and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify? And if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the Empowered Creativity Coach channel and hit that bell so you don't miss the next episode.